You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along for the ride as the horseshoes return from their bye and get a primetime showdown with the New England Patriots as their reward. We'll preview the matchup with an injury update. We'll break down keys to the game. We'll all make our predictions. And we'll check in on the AFC playoff picture, which is a whole lot different than what we left you with with our last podcast about a week and a half ago. But first, we start with the news around the NFL, and there is certainly a newsmaker this week as the COVID numbers have been spiking across the league. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports on Tuesday that 75 players had tested positive over the last two days, and in particular hitting the Browns very hard as 14 players tested positive, including quarterback Baker Mayfield, their head coach Kevin Stefanski, also returned a positive test. So this is a situation, guys, that really, I don't know if it's like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop from the beginning of the season, Mike, but it's always something that we knew was a possibility. And by far, this is the most numbers that uh, the uh, NFL has turned within a, a two-day period throughout the year. And uh, with the players that are uh, unvaccinated, since they tested positive this week, they will miss this weekend's game. And uh, fortunately for the Colts, they were on a bye. So their one positive test in this group that we know of, Zaire Franklin, uh, was not around any players. He is also vaccinated, so he could return this coming weekend uh, when the Colts play the Patriots. But uh, certainly a situation that uh, that we'll have to keep paying attention to for the rest of the week as uh, some numbers with teams that did play last week could continue to climb. Uh, I guess the Colts just in a fortunate spot that they were on a bye and the players weren't all around each other all the time and spreading it as it uh, happens to be. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how. I mean, obviously, this is a league issue. It's not a league issue. It's it's a it, it's a it's a national issue with the NBA and hockey and all that. But we we always look at this through Indianapolis glasses. And keep in mind that they they had thirteen individuals in late August, coaches, players, who who went on the COVID list. Either it was a positive test or as a close contact, and then nothing, then nothing until until Ryan Kelly, uh, prior to the Houston game. So this team has, I, I don't know how you want to how you want to phrase it. Whether they've dodged a bullet, every team, every team adheres to these protocols. They just do because to not do it is counterproductive to what you're trying to get done, which is trying to stay healthy and and play. So the Colts have been extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate. And now we're seeing this spike. Now, is this a result of Thanksgiving and teams and and players being away? I don't know. I I don't know if that's the case. And heaven help us when teams have Christmas and all of that with families. But but it's just it just shows you that, as, as we've talked to Frank, right, this is a virus. It doesn't care. And and. Some teams are, are really impacted. I think I saw whether this whether Schefter's uh, tweet included this or not, but there more LA Rams have been placed on the on the list today. So it, th- this is just kind of mushrooming, and I, I, I'll say this wrong, but this is all going to come down to which teams are fortunate on which players you lose. You know, I mean, you hate to lose anybody, but I, I would rather lose a backup linebacker or or a guard or a or a safety as opposed to my quarterback or 
your future running back. So th- this is all going to come down to which teams are, are able to, to function with their prime players. A- and, uh, a- again, the numbers are sobering. What, they've already had a couple of NBA games with the Bulls, aren't they? A couple of postponements? Yeah, they did. Of... They had like 10 guys all at once. Yeah, I mean, and that's a basketball team. The numbers are so much <laughs> smaller. Right. So so th- this is, I mean, to, to think this is going to not get worse is naive. So you just, it, it's crazy. You, you hate to refresh your Twitter feed every other, you know, five minutes because who's next? So uh, it, it's all going to be about who you lose, when you lose them, and how you can, can adjust to who you lose. And that's not the way you want the playoffs or the season to be, but that's the world we live in. Joe, the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport also reports this week that the NFL and the Players Association are discussing potential changes to their COVID protocols. Um, last year, I think it was a little bit stringent, more stringent than it is now, based on what we've seen through the season so far. So it's a possibility there could be a, a, a return to some some more protocols as the season winds down to try to keep things, as Chap was saying, from uh, spiraling more out of control and, and really affecting the playoffs in an adverse manner. Because, I mean, the NFL wants their stars to be on the field. They want the stars to be playing. They want people to be seeing the stars. And uh, if they um, want to take more, I'm, I'm going to use the word draconian measures, but I, I know that comes with connotations, but it's kind of what, um, in, in a way, it's really kind of true. Uh, they, they, they I assume they will probably do it in order to keep the playoffs a uh, a more a a more refined product, I guess the way to do, that I would put it. Yeah, the last thing they want here is to have to start canceling games when the games start to matter most. Uh, and then what happens? I know going into the season, they said if a team has to get forfeit a game because they couldn't, you know, play because too many players had COVID. Well, that's going to have major impacts for some of these teams in the playoff hunt, or you know, God forbid, a playoff game. So. I think teams are gonna in the league are gonna do everything they can to make sure that they're able to get through the season. And I saw some talk on Twitter about maybe asking players who've been vaccinated six, seven months ago to go ahead and get that booster shot. I know you know some of these players were vaccinated way back in like July, June. So the longer time goes on, the less effective the vaccine is. So maybe it's booster time for some of these guys. I'm not sure exactly what you do to fix this, but it's definitely an issue. When you think of the timing, this is about two weeks after Thanksgiving when a lot of guys presumptively got together with their families and friends, um, and we're seeing a spike now. And, you know, you're thinking about a week or two here, we're going to have Christmas where that sort of thing might happen again, and then we might see another spike around, you know, the final week of the season slash playoff time. So I, I hope... That the Colts aren't highly impacted by this. They seem to have been doing a pretty good job so far of somehow staying out of COVID's way. And I, I, you just have to hope that it continues because sometimes you do everything you can and you still test positive. We'll refresh everybody's memory back home about what the NFL policy is right now if you land on the COVID reserve list. If you are a vaccinated person, then if you test positive, you get thrown on the COVID list. And you can return to the active roster when you have two negative tests in a 24-hour period. And no symptoms. And no symptoms. You're correct. Excuse me. Speaking of no symptoms, as I, like, my voice is lost (laughs) and I'm trying to do a podcast here. I'm healthy, by the way. Just, just, just so everyone knows. Just, just lost the voice. Probably screaming at my kid at the zoo last night, which was fantastic, by the way. Highly recommend the Indianapolis Zoo. 
and uh, seeing Vacation Santa uh, out there was uh, was wonderful. But anyway, back to the podcast at hand. Um, if you're an unvaccinated player, then you can fall on the COVID list if you're a close contact to someone who has COVID. That doesn't happen if you are vaccinated. You cannot end up on the reserve list if you're a close contact and you're vaccinated. But if you're unvaccinated and are a close contact, then you go on the COVID reserve list. And if you test positive, you wind up on the COVID reserve list. And in that case, you need to produce uh, two negative tests 24 hours apart, plus you're on the list for 10 days, period. No matter what, period. If you're unvaccinated, uh, you have to stay there for that long if you test positive. So, so that's the deal right now. And uh, like we, we've, we've discussed that many times. Just wanted to, to kind of refresh everyone's memory about about what the deal is, what's going on. And, uh, Chap, I think you have something to say. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, like I said, it, it's it, it's sort of, I, again, I say rolling the dice. Keep in mind that some of the, many of the Colts' prime players are unvaccinated. So, you know, it, it's, uh, and I'm sure they're, they're taking every precaution possible, but, but again, there's a difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated on how, on, on how you're on the list. So it's uh, and one thing that whatever I think I saw where there's a memo where tier one and tier two employees need to get the booster shot by the end of, was it December 27th or whatever? Well, that doesn't initially include players because that needs to be, that needs to be bargained with, with NFLPA. And I would I would just have to think that the league and NFLPA would would simply lock hands and, and and do as much as possible to limit the risks. So I would think that would be something that would would happen rather quickly. I would think because it's in the best of in, interest of both sides to limit the risk as much as possible. As Zaire Franklin for the Colts goes on to the COVID list uh, on Wednesday, the Colts elevated linebacker Malik Jefferson Jefferson to the active roster from the practice squad to take his place. And also this week, the Colts put Ryan Kelly back on the active roster as he returned from the uh, from the COVID reserve list that he was on for 10 days. And he caught it at the right time because uh, the Colts had the bye week and he needed to be on there for 10 days himself. Um, also, and last week's good to go. I, yeah, I he think is, he's yeah. clear for 90 yeah. days now. So, yeah, well, he's back at practice. Yeah. So that's good. That's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Last week, the Colts nominated Kenny Moore for their uh, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year award. The honor goes to one player from the NFL, well, one player from each team, and then ultimately one player from all those nominees is chosen uh, for their dedication to the community as well as their contributions on the field. And uh, the Colts have had, of course, a good lengthy list of players here who, who have been so honored. Um, I, I think of Pat McAfee from the past. I think Pierre Desir. I think of um, who else has been on it from uh, more recently was Jacoby Brissett one year. He might have even been last year. Uh, Peyton Manning back in the day, I believe, won the award. I think he's the only Colt that I can remember, the Indianapolis I, Colt. I think so. Yeah, to, to win the award uh, ultimately. But uh, but Kenny, Kenny does a ton in the community. And, of course, we've seen his contributions on the field uh, be uh, impactful this year as well. Um, Chap, this is this is an honor that. Uh, that is certainly one one of the higher ones, and off the field, it's the greatest one really that a team can give its pl- one player recognizing uh, what what they do uh, throughout the uh, local community here. Especially knowing how with the Colts, we'll just, you know, I, I don't know how it is with other teams, but with the Colts, they have so many players that do so many things in the community. 
Some we know about, many we don't. Uh, but but when when you're the guy, when you're the guy that's singled out among all your teammates who do so much, it does mean so much. And, and sometimes it sounds sappy. Well, I really appreciate it. No, th- this is something they really, really take to heart. And to be that one guy at the end of the year, like I say, Peyton got it. Eli Manning got it as well. Russell Wilson. It is it is uh, probably the most prestigious individual award. I, I realize you're getting MVPs and all that, but th- this is this is another level. Th- this takes into account who you are and how you how you use your platform. So, major kudos to Kenny Moore, and and again. We know a lot of what he does, and I'm sure he does things that we don't know about. But, uh, again, just a very, very deserving recipient this year. That, that was also the case. I, I, I've i heard it myself. I wasn't here, of course, during the Manning years chat. But for him to win the award is special. But everyone uh, within the Colts or that has had an impact on Manning, Manning's had an impact on them uh, over the years, had said that, I mean, you, you knew some things that he did. But there was an even lengthier list of, of things that people in the community did not know Peyton Manning did, that he, he just did without the accolades, without the media, without the, uh, the spotlight on him. So, yeah, that's true for so many of these players, like, like you said, like Kenny, like others. So just uh, certainly a, a, um, <clears throat> a worthy nomination for Kenny Moore to be the Colts nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award here in 2021. Let's look ahead to the Colts and the Patriots. The Colts come out of their bye with a playoff spot, guys. You talk about winning the bye week. My goodness. Like, you can't win any more than the Colts did over when they're not playing. So they jump from eighth up to sixth in the playoff standings. As we look at it, the Patriots, the Titans, the Kansas City Chiefs are all 9-4, and four leading their division. The Baltimore Ravens are 8-5, and five leading their division. And behind them is the Chargers at 8-5 and five in the fifth playoff spot. And then after them is a slew five teams at seven and six. And because of tiebreakers, the Colts are on top of that list right now at seven and six, ahead of the Bills, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Broncos, all the B teams in the AFC. And there's the Colts right on top of them. So when you look at this list, Chap, I think the one thing the Colts have going for them is their AFC conference record. They are, uh, I believe it's six and three in the conference. And you have only three losses in conference, which I think is either it might be the second best in the conference period. I think one of the division leaders is only has two losses, but nobody else has uh, three losses or, or has fewer than three losses. So the Colts right now are in a good position. They have three AFC South team, AFC teams down the stretch. Excuse me. So uh, chap, they're in a position where they control their own destiny and they've not been in that position in a very long, since week one, they haven't been in that position all this season, except for week one when they lost. Well, on top of that, coming out of that weekend too, Buffalo loses. So they're in that scrum and you've got to head to head with them. So, you know, for two games, you, Colts fans are pulling for the Patriots because they play again, what, in a couple of weeks, I guess it is Buffalo and the, and, uh, the Patriots in Foxborough. So yeah, this is this isn't one where boy we the Colts need to win, but then they need X Y Z and, and and double Z. No, it's right there for them. And again, this game on Sunday on Saturday is just monster because because it just it just right now I think they're like sixty four percent to get in the playoffs according to that that website five 
538 which is really which is really cool you, you can drive yourself crazy <laughs> by by all the different things you can do but if they if they beat the patriots they're like 85 percent so it really is monumental and uh I, i'm just looking forward to how this plays out and what's really intriguing is how other teams in the mix are going to chew each other up. Cleveland and Baltimore and Pittsburgh and, and Denver and, and, and all on and on. I just, how crazy this is, I won't be the least bit surprised if the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed and the Baltimore Ravens don't make the playoffs. That's how crazy we are right now with the playoff picture. And the Titans certainly uh, end the season with, I, I don't know their exact schedule, but I know I don't think it's Murderer's Row. Um, I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, but yeah, Mike, like you said, a lot of these other teams are playing each other that are in the top tier here. Uh, the Titans don't have to play the Colts. So they've already played them and beat them twice. So they have the Titans a, have the Steelers, hmm. 49ers, Dolphins, and Texans. There you go. Dolphins and Texans are two easy ones at the end. I might put the 49ers the toughest one in that in that stretch. And heck, guys, Colts got the 49ers at the right time this year. Let me tell you, they're five and two since that loss in the bomb cyclone out there in uh, on, on the West Coast. And I mean, they got George Kittle back. That certainly helps. Jimmy Garoppolo looks healthier, and that defense is pretty good right now. So uh, they they figured but, something but, out. Go ahead. But, again, we talk we talking about again with the race Baltimore, Green Bay at Cincy, Vegas. In Pittsburgh, so so it, it's just, it's just a, it's a tough Cincinnati. They've got what Cincinnati Denver, Baltimore, Denver Kansas, week, so. Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland. So it's just again, it's it's so simple. You just take care of your business and win games that you need to win. They can they get in three and one. There's a really good chance they get in two and two. I, I wouldn't want to take that route <laughs> particularly particularly, but. Uh, it's fascinating, and it's and it's just as muddled over in the NFC. So, it's just a crazy year. Yeah, you you don't want to test the two and two, uh, Mark, but uh, but it's possible for sure. No, 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 Joe. Not to mention here. I mean, you look at these quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's got a sprained ankle. He left the game. Uh, Josh Allen has a sprained foot. Both have a chance to play this weekend, but uh, we'll see. It's not guaranteed, and they might be a little limited. I mean, we already talked about Baker Mayfield. Doesn't look like. Uh, he'll play on Saturday, or at least he'll have to get through COVID protocols. So a lot of these quarterbacks are, you know, not 100% right now either. Um, whereas you look at the Colts, knock on wood, Carson Wentz seems to be in maybe the best shape the entire season coming out of the bye here. So uh, Colts are in a good spot. Who would have thought we're talking about Carson Wentz as the healthiest quarterback in a uh, in a big picture scenario with all these other teams before the season? Exactly, yeah. Not, not keep knocking on wood, no doubt about it. Um, but but yeah, I, I think chap, you put it best. It wouldn't surprise me if if Baltimore falls way out. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, if the Tennessee wins the AFC. Um, like it's, there's just so much that can happen in these last four games. And this is, like I said earlier, with the NFL wanting its players in the playoffs, I mean, this is what the NFL wants, too. There are more teams that are in this playoff picture in, than in years past because they added that one spot. That one spot really does make a big difference. Last year, it was beneficial to the Colts because they got into the playoffs where they wouldn't when they were 11-5. and five. The AFC was a lot more top-heavy last year. If every team in the playoffs is 11-5 and five for a wild card or, or better, I mean, this year... Like you said, there's a chance the Colts could get in at two and two. They'd be nine and seven, or nine and eight rather, 
at that at that point. So it's it's a significant difference. I think there's it's not that it just seems like a lot of teams, excuse me, in the middle of the pack are better than they were last year. And the Colts are in that group, Joe. That's right. And on Thursday, the Chargers play the Chiefs. So go Kansas City. The Chiefs, yeah. uh, the Chargers, that is, are one spot ahead of the Colts. So uh, we're kind of at the point where we got to root for the division leaders to win the division and all the rest of the wildcard teams to just kind of stumble down the stretch. Just a front runner, Joe Hopkins, rooting for all the leaders of the division <laughs> to do well. I, I see it. I see what's up. All right. The Colts injury report. This week, as I mentioned earlier, Ryan Kelly's returned from the COVID list on Tuesday. He's back at practice. He spoke with the media. Sounds good. Good deal. Uh, on Tuesday, linebacker Bobby Okereke did not participate in practice due to an illness. And our fine friends at the uh, Herald, uh, the uh, the Herald Bolton out of Anderson, uh, George Bremer tweeted today from practice that uh, that uh, Okereke was not at practice today on Wednesday as we tape this podcast either. So that's two days that he has been out of uh, out of practice. Um, and so that's something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on for the rest of the week. As we know, if Jordan Wilkins can miss like four weeks in a row earlier this season with some n- weird illness, whatever it is, then you're, it just, it just makes you nervous that, uh, you don't know exactly what's going to happen there with Okereke. Um, I'll, I'll bet Frank Reich gets asked something about him tomorrow on, on uh, what would be their normal Friday, which is now Thursday since everything's bumped up the day, uh, this week with the Saturday game, uh, limited in participation on their injury report Tuesday where Ryan Kelly, uh, with uh, knee and illness is what it's listed, and uh, Frank was asked about that, and that's just to, excuse me, that's really to get him more in, in shape again after really spending a couple days away from the facility. And uh, tight end Kylan Granson, a uh, limited participant, not injury-related is what they said. So uh, so we'll see exactly what happens uh, from that moving on this week. The Patriots, one player did not participate in practice. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. It's an offensive tackle, though. Um, and then limited in participation. They had a slew of players there, limited. Uh, Damien Harrison, Brandon Bolden, running backs, uh, tackle Trent Brown, center David Andrews, defensive tackle the rookie Christian Barmore, linebackers Ronnie Perkins and Juwan Bentley, safety Adrian Phillips, and kicker Nick Folk. Uh, you can follow us online on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, uh, to keep updated with injury news and notes throughout the week from both teams. Uh, but when you look at this, Again, the Colts were the healthiest chap they've been really all season going into the bye. Obviously, a couple players are still out, like a um, the the safety that I'm blanking. Blackman, of course, out for the year. I like you 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 kind of include those. And Paris Campbell is still working his way back. Uh, but uh, as the the 53 man roster was healthy last week, it was healthy the week before. And uh, the, so the Colts come out of the bye healthy. It looks like the Patriots are pretty healthy as well. Uh, going down the home stretch, that's exactly what you want to see if, if you're an NFL fan and the Colts appear to be on the good side of fortune uh, in that area. Yeah, you've also got a healthy kicker on the on the IR. Yeah, the right. Chip. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. I asked I asked Frank that uh, yesterday. It was is, do you have plans to designate him for return? And he said, no. You know, we're, we're going to stick with what we're doing. So, so they really, and again, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, you, you can activate him. You can, you can designate the return, then he can practice. And then for three weeks, you have to do something. But you can't you can't put one of your kickers on the practice squad because they're both so accomplished, you're going to lose them. So they're going to ride this as they do uh, with, with, you know, and it's a good situation to be in, but basically they're stashing a healthy player on IR is what they're doing. All right. So the Colts are seven and six. The Patriots are nine and four. 
kind of want to go ahead, Joe, jump go ahead. in and add yeah. here. The, the Patriots <clears throat> might be getting a couple defenders back too. Linebacker Josh Uche, kind of a edge rusher, activated uh, from IR 21 day window, so he might be back. And then their safety, who's really having a nice season, Kyle Duggar. Uh, made his way back from the COVID list. So they get a couple defenders to reinforce that defense. That's already one of the best in the league. So that brings us to the game. The Colts at 7-6 and six take on the Patriots 9-4, and four, and they're really impressive lately on a seven-game win streak and have wins over Buffalo, who I believe was number one in the East at the time, over Tennessee, number one in the South, over the Chargers at 8-5, and five, the best record of all the wildcard teams, and Cleveland, another team vying for the wildcard there. So uh, they're, they're beating good teams. They're not just mopping up like the Colts have against teams they should have beaten this year. They're beating the other playoff teams, which is something the Colts cannot say they have done as of yet. So the Patriots have certainly been more impressive so far this year, led by quarterback Mac Jones, been the NFL's most impressive as a uh, quarterback as a rookie. During the seven-game win streak, he's thrown nine touchdowns, which is not all that impressive, but only two interceptions, which is great. He's completing more than 70% of his passes on the year. Uh, Certainly an accurate quarterback, a smart quarterback. The Patriots are not asking him to do too much. I was listening to ESPN Radio the other day, Chap, and Mike Greenberg, of course, a big Jets fan, was bemoaning the way the Jets have treated Zach Wilson this year, basically just threw him out and threw everything at him and said, what can you do? And he's made a ton of mistakes as a result. The Patriots, on the other hand, have managed their rookie quarterback far differently. They put him in very specific situations, ask him to do very specific things. On third and 12, he's throwing screens or out routes or slant routes, not necessarily the 15-yard pass over the middle that he's trying to thread over the linebackers and before the safeties, although there is some of that. Don't get me wrong. But they are certainly asking him to do so much less than some other teams with rookie quarterbacks right now, and it has led to him being a more successful quarterback. Of course, the defense, I think, does drive the bus for the Patriots, but what he is doing on offense has certainly helped, and they've been able to put up points as an offense as a result of not shooting themselves in the foot, keeping drives going slowly. So Mac Jones, Mike, has certainly been the best rookie quarterback of the field so far, and he's doing it for the Patriots. Because he's probably in the best situation. Not probably, because he's in the best situation. Definitely. He, he, he's got a top-notch, if you know, premier defense to rely on, and he's got a running game. You know, I, I'm not saying 46 carries a game running game like whatever it was against Buffalo, but when, when you don't ask your quarterback to do too much, I, I always hate the word game, game manager because it's sort of a slap in the face, but that's kind of what they're asking him to do is, is just do your job when you need to have those five or six plays that make a difference, do it. And I say it's all it's always about the best situation. Is is this the best rookie quarterback? No, you know, certainly Trevor Lawrence probably still is, but it's a situation. What are you surrounded by and, and all that? And this this was a perfect situation. I'm telling you, if you're if you're watching a Patriots game on offense and you turn down the sound and you just watch it, you see a lot of Tom Brady in how he runs the offense. The the quick drops, the ball comes out. So I tell you, the stats aren't – they don't grab you and just shake you. Like you said, was it nine nine touchdowns in a seven-game streak? That's like, really, is that all you got? That's all they've needed. So it's it's really been – it's really been from the – yeah, so he's doing what he's supposed to do, and that's what you want your quarterback to do, rookie or otherwise. 
Yeah, you take nine touchdowns in a seven-game stretch over the course of the season, that's like 20 or 22 touchdowns for an entire year. Like, not impressive at all by any stretch of the imagination. But still a 9-4 team, that is impressive, absolutely. Um, on defense, Ed Rusher, Matt Judon is having a heck of a year. 12 and a half sacks is fifth in the NFL. Just signed a big contract extension to this offseason. They've got a ball hawk cornerback in J.C. Jackson. He has seven picks this year, 24 over his four-year career, which is you'd think quarterbacks Joe would stop throwing his way. That's usually what happens to, uh, to, to cornerbacks. They, like some of their best seasons are when they have two or three interceptions because quarterbacks just don't throw at them. Well, they keep testing J.C. Jackson. He keeps proving his mettle. So there, it might be wise for the Colts uh, not to throw at J.C. Jackson this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he had nine picks last year. He's got seven so far this year, which ranks second in the league. So I, I don't know what it's going to take to stop going after J.C. Jackson, who's clearly one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And it's going to be interesting to see. If Michael Pittman Jr. sees a lot of J.C. Jackson, I'm not exactly sure where the Colts turn to throw the football because it's not like they have that legitimate second option. As we keep mentioning week after week, they're going to have to really spread things around if the Patriots try and take out Pittman in that way, and I assume that they will. The Patriots have always been, I think, unique in the NFL, and, and I'm sure other teams try to do this. They just don't do it as well as the Patriots do. They attack you very directly in one area, and they can change it up every week. And on defense, they really try to take away one thing that you do that is kind of centralized in your offense. For the Colts forever, it's been T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he spoke to us today on Wednesday at, the, at team headquarters, and uh, somebody asked him if, uh, if he had been doubled more times than not in previous games against the Patriots. And T.Y. was basically like, they've always doubled me. Every game. He's always double covered against the Patriots. And that made sense with T.Y. Hilton being by far and away the Colts' most explosive offensive weapon over the past decade. Will they do that again to T.Y. Hilton? Well, he's not exactly their most explosive weapon now, I don't think, Joe. But uh, he, he has been in the past, so maybe he actually gets more of an opportunity to do what he can do this week. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I'm pretty sure it was that brutal loss to the Patriots in the playoffs, and then the very next spring the Colts panic and draft Philip Dorsett because they were so convinced that they needed another wide receiver and more speed after that game. Uh, I don't think they'll be doubling T.Y. Hilton. I think clearly the... Uh, most threatening pass catcher is Michael Pittman Jr. So I think they will give Pittman Jr. a lot of attention um, from their defensive backs. And obviously, Jonathan Taylor is going to get a lot of attention up front. Right, chap. I mean, if you want to eliminate one thing that the Colts do, it's it's obviously Jonathan Taylor and then try to let Carson Wentz win the, win the game through the air because the Colts haven't been able to win passing the ball. They need 100 yards rushing from Jonathan Taylor or they don't win. That's what the stats say this year. So if Belichick picks one thing that he says, we don't want the Colts to do this on Saturday night, you would think it would be getting going in the run game, would it not? Yeah, it, it, it kind of harkens back to the Tampa game where Tampa had that great rush defense. Now, that's different. They Sometimes Belichick, not sometimes, but Belichick schemes to stop one phase. Well, Tampa Bay, you just can't run against them because they got these, you know, refrigerators in in the middle of the line. The Patriots so had it, negative one rushing yards when they played Tampa Bay earlier this year. Wow. I know, I know. So that, that's what's interesting is what I think they're, uh, aren't they in the middle of the pack on run, run defense? I haven't got the stats right in front of me. But... Uh, let's see, they are uh, 19th against the run, run defense. But that's really kind of bloated by the Tennessee game where they gave up 270 
to the Titans without Derrick Henry. So, so in other games, they're, they're giving up just over 100 yards a game. But what's going to be interesting to me, and I, and I asked Frank Reich about it, is you just know that what the Colts want to do is run. You just know that what the Patriots want to do is not let you run. How committed are you to running the ball? And how how stubborn are you trying to get that done if it's not working early? And I think the Colts really, really, really think they can run the ball on the Patriots. They can run the ball on just about anybody that's not Tampa Bay probably. So I want to see how committed slash stubborn the Colts are trying to run the ball when that is their unquestioned strength. Like, like Dave mentioned, the more Carson Wentz throws – the, the less comfortable you feel as an offense for the Colts. I just think that's the way it is. So this will be really curious to see how the Colts stick to their run game and how long they do stick it with it if it's, a, if it's an issue early on. The Patriots' defense is first in the NFL in points allowed, 15.4. They're third in yards allowed. They're third in takeaways. They're tenth in sacks. And uh, it really is that run game, that run defense, that is the one that's kind of the one outlier that's kind of down there in the uh, statistics-wise. But like you said, Chap, the, <laughs> there's a reason for that, and that being really one game against the uh, Tennessee Titans where they gave up closer to three times their average in other games than it is to two times their average uh, in, in all the other games of the year. So that was that was a remarkable game for the Titans. And, that, uh, and, that really and, and it was a the game stat. they won. And it was yeah. a game they won going away. It was 36-13, so I think it was. Yeah. Right, correct. Yeah, so who cares? Uh, that, that's you, you can rack up stats on Belichick. He'll still beat you some other way. Uh, that's quite possible, too. Um, so uh, the Patriots offense, uh, do, don't think that this team doesn't score, that it's just the defense. Uh, they're scoring 26 points per game, which is 10th in the league. I think I saw a stat somewhere that over the last nine games, they've scored 30 or 31 points per game. So they, they are even better now than they were earlier in the year in points per game. Uh, they're rushing it really well, 123 yards per game, which is ninth in the league. Uh, Damian Harris has been leading their running at, uh, attack with four and a half yards per carry. Um, they have a rookie who plays really well, too. Uh, this is a team that's really they want to run the ball, as we saw a couple weeks ago when they were playing Buffalo. And uh, and Mac Jones had three. Was it three passing attempts? That was it. Just three yeah. passing attempts. And uh, and they ran, ran, ran and ran some more and uh, kept the clock going. And won that game in Buffalo in the uh, nasty weather up there, which I'm glad that we did not have on our trip to Buffalo just a couple weeks before. So, um, so, so, chap, I think you're 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 hit the nail on the head when you said earlier that he reminds that that um, that Mac Jones does remind you of Tom Brady. He reminds me of Brady in the early years too. And that's not saying that I think he's he's the elite player that Brady is now. And you're not saying that either. But it is it reminds me entirely of how Belichick and his offensive staff brought Tom Brady along was one step at a time. It was not throw you into the fire and see what works. It is not throw the kitchen sink at you and see what you understand. It is you get this, you master this, and then you move on to bigger and better things, which is what, like, I, I, I seem to recall that's what Tiger Woods did, like, as, as a golfer. Um, uh, I think I heard an interview with him that uh, was talking about this, like, how how he grew up, his dad had him dominate. You know, you win the four to six year old age group. And even though you can go and you can play in the seven to ten year old age group, you play four to six, you know, and then you master that. And then you move on to the next step and you learn to dominate at what you're doing. I think that is one thing that set Tom Brady on the course that he is now 
was the early years in New England. He learned to dominate at what he was doing. And that seems to be what Belichick is trying to do right now with uh, Mac Jones as well. Dominate at this small thing, and then we will slowly add X, Y, and Z to your repertoire. And then you can dominate at those things as well. It, it's, a stat, it's something that, that not every coaching staff wants to do. But it's what, uh, what Frank Reich said uh, yesterday, the greatest coach that there is, the greatest of all time, I believe is exactly what he said. He said he's the greatest. I remember that. I don't remember if he said all time. But he said Bill Belichick is the greatest. It's what he decides to do with his quarterback. So maybe more, more coaches should take note of this strategy. It might be painful at the beginning because it's just such a small sample size of what you're doing. But, hey, they're 9-4, and four, so, chap, it can't be that painful at the end of the day. Yeah, I think isn't Jones on pace to set a rookie record with uh, completion percentage? And it's going to be one of the top five, I think, of all time. So it's we, we talked to some players early in the week, and their whole thing is, that, that, you know, you hear this every week, stop the run, stop the run. But they really believe they've got to limit the running game and make Mac Jones beat them. Whether it's Dinkin and Duncan, whatever it is, they, they just – you can't give a rookie quarterback who's still learning learning things, you know, a, a robust running game because then you're not asking the quarterback to do much, you know, c- complete a, a third and five, convert a third and five. So uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see which team is able to really do what it wants to do, which primarily is run the ball first and foremost and whenever you want to do it. Because whichever team, to me, whichever team does that, certainly has the upper hand and has a much, much better chance of winning this game. Joe, I think one thing that uh, the Colts really have to pay attention to this weekend is uh, the Patriots' tight ends. You have Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who are two really good tight ends. And, heck, tight end can be a young quarterback's best friend. Just imagine having two Jack Doyles out there that can get you 8.7 yards per catch. So you try not to get in third and eight, third and nine, third and twelve. Then great if you can get into third and five all the time. You have two guys that are very reliable at getting you five yards when you need it. And so the Patriots have been able to utilize both of those guys and and be very very helpful. Again, another helpful aspect for Mac Jones's development as a quarterback. Yeah, we've seen the Colts be susceptible to the tight end earlier this year, and the Patriots have been, especially Hunter Henry, they've been using him. He leads the team in receiving touchdowns with seven. Uh, so that's something they'll. Ha- I'm sure they've been studying uh, during the week and over the bye week, and it's you know another reason that the Colts really need to hope that they have Bobby Okereke back because if they're down Okereke and potentially Zaire Franklin, I mean, it's going to be even more difficult to stop those tight ends. Let's get to our keys to the game as the Colts take on the Patriots on Saturday night this week. Number one, can't abandon the run game, says Joe. So no 26 passes in a row. Don't care how much the Patriots are stacking the box. You need to run a little bit. You need Quentin Nelson to be happy there in the trenches. You need him to be pushing. You need him to be attacking. I said that two weeks ago on the podcast. Said I talked a little bit about, uh, what, about that, so I don't need to get into it anymore. But, uh, but, but, but you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. If the Patriots are going to try to stop your run game, you need to rely on what's got you here. Like You need to have faith in your guys, like Quentin said, way to effing trust us to Frank Reich coming off the field after that touchdown against the Bucks. Have you ever said that to your boss before? I have never said that to my boss before. Have you ever said it to your boss before? No. No, no. <laughs> that, is, that is some, uh, some fearlessness and some... Uh, some Mutual respect as well in there between the two. 
But um, but Joe, you need to you need to find something in the run game. I'm sure that uh, the the Patriots will try to stop it in in some ways. Uh, but you you need to get something out of Jonathan Taylor, and it needs to be consistent throughout the game as well. You can't just have it in the first half and then then lose it in the second and uh, and let them come back on you, which has happened several times this year already. So so get some run game, get it consistent, and, uh, and then see if you can ride Jonathan Taylor to a win, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a guy who he just needs one carry to bust a 70-yarder at any moment, and it could be that home run hit that the Colts really need to spark the team. Um, and I'm not saying the Colts, you, you know, just have to run into a brick wall every time. Obviously, Carson Wentz is going to check out of some runs when it, the box is stacked, but you can't always check out of it because of what it does for your offense, your offensive identity. And Jonathan Taylor is just that good of a player that even when it's schemed against him, he might still make something happen. So even if the Patriots are doing all they can to stop the run, and I'm sure they will. They have to stick with it in some regard. Carson Wentz also needs to make some plays in the passing game. So, I mean, it, it, it certainly helps to be multiple. And uh, having him make something going would be better, would be beneficial, rather, for, uh, for the offensive line, for Jonathan Taylor. Um, the Patriots have one of the best passing defenses, Chap, in the NFL. They're third, so like, their strength... It doesn't exactly align with the, the Colts' strength there. I wouldn't call the Colts' passing game a weakness by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not the best thing they do on offense. So you're going to have to find spaces. You're going to have to find plays. You're going to have to find things that you can scheme up throughout the game. You should set up somebody in the secondary somewhere for one thing down the stretch, for one bigger play that's coming down the line. Like You need to be able to find holes in what is a very good pass defense and exploit them so that that run game... Uh, is still effective in the third and fourth quarter when you're trying to keep that lead uh, as the time is run, run, winding down. Can't don't you? Yeah, and maybe this is a game where Wentz needs to really be uh, patient, and and you can't you can't force it against Belichick. And what you're gonna he he's gonna show Wentz things that they the Colts did not prepare for. He, he's 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 very good at disguising things, and and that's where those interceptions a lot of times come is. The quarterback probably says, well, "Man, we didn't prepare for that. We didn't. We didn't expect that." So, as we said, the the more wins throws against this kind of a defense, there is more risk. And you know, it, it's funny you talked about Ty always being doubled, always being doubled. I don't think they do that again this week. Maybe this is when Ty finally has that game. He had the one early. Was it Houston four for eighty? I think it was. And he really hasn't been much of a factor. He just hasn't been numbers-wise. Somebody, There's got to be a number two receiver. Who, If not T.Y., then who? I mean, Pascal, haven't seen it. You know, Ashton Doolin's given, you know, he's had the two catches the last couple of weeks, but that's it. And and maybe, the, maybe the, the, the wild card is the Colts' wild card, Naheem Hines. I can see them trying to, get him out in space and try to and try to you know go up against this, this a stack box by getting on the outside whatever we've been seeing more and more two two back formations so th- this is going to be just a great chess match between Reich who has all the respect in the world for Belichick with Belichick and I, I just think that Frank has a quiet confidence I really do in, in how they're going to approach this game 
And with Carson Wentz, I mean, making plays in the passing game, that could mean with his legs. I mean, this might be a game where the Colts need Wentz to run for close to 50 yards. I I don't want that to be in the game plan for every week uh, for obvious reasons. But, you know, this is one of the better pass defenses in the NFL. And if Carson Wentz sees some green in front of him, he needs to take it. If three or four times a game you can take off for 10 or 12 yards, then, yeah, by all means, right? Do it. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll keep the chains moving and give you more opportunities to, to do other things that you're trying to do well, for sure. Um, and, and just, just chap to, to piggyback on something you mentioned, maybe um, the Patriots have the second most interceptions in the NFL this year at 19. So, so Carson Wentz does need to have a smart game, uh, for sure. Uh, he, can get, he can get YOLO every once in a while, is, is how I like to put it. Uh, he, uh, but uh, he hasn't as much this year as we've seen in years past, I don't think. Uh, no, screw no, it, Pittman's down there somewhere and just exactly. chucks it from time to time. <laughs> like, and, and, but but that's, that's, to me, that's not even YOLO. That's like a one-on-one scenario. You, you like that better than, um, than you have in the past. The YOLO is the, uh, the try to throw the ball with your left hand out of the end zone. That, that one's a little bit YOLO. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and, and anyway, anyway. Um, uh, you kind you kind of wish that you you, you kind of wish that they could put like an oven mitt on that left hand. Yeah, right. Just so so, so that that's not an option. But then that's going to mess up probably yeah, mechanics for the other parts of his game. <laughs> of course, of course. Let's get to our last key to the game. The Colts defense needs to be able to stop the Patriots' run game and make some big plays here and there. Uh, the Pats do over average more than twice as many rush yards in wins than they do their losses this year. 152 rush yards, our Joe Hopkins points out in their nine wins, 73 rush yards per game in their four losses. So that is a significant difference. If you're able to stop the Patriots run game, you're able to stop the Patriots. Um, because I think, Joe, that goes to kind of what we were mentioning earlier, that if you're in third and if you're in third and eight with Mac Jones, they're just not opening the playbook as much as other teams do. And so you can stop them easier in those situations if you get into third and three, third and four more often, that's a lot more difficult uh, for the defense. So stop the run early, get them in third and long, and then hopefully there you can make some plays to uh, to turn the tide of the game at that point. Absolutely. Mac Jones and the weapons he has. I mean, the strength of this team is Jacoby Myers in the slot, the two tight ends. They don't have a guy who really scares you on the outside. Yeah, Aguilar's got some speed, but they don't have really a true number one receiver who can make that big play on a third and long. So uh, being able to stop the run and put the Patriots in long down and distance really would go a long way. Nine of New England's 16 turnovers also came in their four losses, and the Colts do lead the league in takeaways still. 29. Now every team has had their bye. The Colts are still number one in the entire NFL with 29, and we know that Darius Leonard wants to get to that big 4-0 by the end of the year, and he has that peanut punch to go for the ball, as we've seen so often this year. But the Colts need 11 more takeaways in their final four games to reach that 40-burger, which has been the goal from the start of the year, which is, it's doable for sure. That's like three per game about. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not impossible. It'll, it'll take a lot. Let's not be let's not kid ourselves to get three per game over a four game stretch is is hard. Well, they do have Jacksonville in the final week, so maybe they can do some catching up then. But it's in Jacksonville, so you can already chalk that one up as a loss. You need to win the next three so you can. (laughs) I say that very much in jest, but also very much from experience, having been in Jacksonville for all these losses for the past couple years. So anyway, 
Let's get to our predictions for the week. The Colts and the Patriots inside Lucas Oil Stadium Saturday night. FanDuel has the Colts favored, Joe. Is that correct? In yeah. this game, two-and-a-half-point favorites, the Colts, against the Patriots. Patriots on a seven-game win streak. Patriots on an eight-game win streak in this rivalry with the Colts. Of course, Tom Brady has been their quarterback in all those games, so that's a little bit of a difference in the past. But nevertheless, a pass that has been very successful for New England. Over-under set at 45 and a half. That's relatively low. And in the past, also, Mike, I was looking at all these games from from recently from this from this losing streak. Like all of them are like 40 to 20 or like 45 to 19 or 59 to like they're big. They're high scoring games that we've seen between the Colts and Patriots. Of course, it's been for the most part between Tom Brady and Andrew Luck, two great quarterbacks. We'll throw in uh, Mac Jones and Carson Wentz are very much different than than the tier of those two, I would say. But nevertheless, uh, these games have been very high scoring games. So I would not be surprised, chap, if if it goes certainly over the 45 and a half. Let let, let us discuss that first before we really get into our predictions. I think that 45 and a half is low. I think we're going to have a high scoring Saturday night. Well, I won't give you give my score yet, but but I've got it under. Oh, because I I, I do think I I do have it under because I do think that both teams are going to go out of their way. To try to run the ball, all right. I just do, all right. it, which is which is going to shorten the game and it's going to keep the score down, barring turnovers. So, I, I would if, if I'm betting my money, I take the under. Oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll see who's right. Dave Griffiths, who's been in Indy for a minute, or Mike Chapel, who has uh, covered the Colts <laughs> since they got off the bus, the Mayflower bus. So, uh, so yeah, maybe you you folks out there should listen to Mike instead of me. Joe, Joe, what do you have for the over-under, by the way, to, to break this tie before we get into our predictions? I kind of side with Mike. I think Golly, both teams are really going to try and run. Now, one thing that could skew that is defensive touchdowns, there you uh, go. which the Patriots have been good at this year, and the Colts have all those turnovers, which you always have a chance to score on the turnovers. So that could really skew things. But uh, if if I could just jump right into it, I got the Colts 23-21, to 21, so I'm kind of on the lower side of things. <laughs> Mike seems to be cursing over there. Is that what you had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're looking. This happened last week when, or two weeks ago, when Dave stole my score, and now it's you. So I'm I'm just I'm just sort of I I feel like I've got you know like there's cameras in my house. You got you that kitchen just, renovation done, chap. We put some cameras in there so we can see what's going on in El, El Chapo residence down there in Beach Grove. So, so go ahead, Joe. T- tell us why you think that they're going to win like I do, twenty three twenty one. I just think this is going to be that kind of signature win for the Colts that they've been looking for. I mean, obviously, it's going to be an extremely tough matchup. The Patriots are a very good team with a very good defense. But I think this is kind of the week it finally happens for the Colts. And, you know, seven-game win streak, that's a lot, especially in the NFL. And I'm not sure it continues to eight for the Patriots. I think they stumble here uh, against the Colts, who are a good team in their own right. All right, chap, why don't you get into your discussion? I'll wrap us up this week. 23-21, of course. Go ahead. 23, yeah, I'm, I'm not changing. I'm not changing. Uh, again, I think one thing that we need to to do is keep in mind that this is not the Tom Brady Patriots. It's, 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 it's not. It's, it's a different group, but it's a really good group. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the eight, uh, the eight straight losses and all that. Uh, the Colts, from talking to Frank and a couple players, Ryan Kelly, that, yes, it's one zero, one zero, but they know this is this is more. This is a game where they can step up 
and as they said, prove that they belong in whatever discussion you want to have on playoff teams. And the only way that they can be legitimized, in my mind, is to beat the Patriots. If, if not, it's, well, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're a 500 team. They can't really win against the really good teams. I think this is a chance for them to do that, and I think that they find a way to get this done on Saturday night. I really do. Ooh, boy, you guys are leaving me on an island over here picking the Patriots, and maybe I should just sign off right now on a Colts podcast uh, picking the Patriots. But I find it very difficult to pick against a team that's on a seven-game win streak with all these wins against playoff-caliber opponents coming off a bye week. I just do. I look at that alone. And the Colts have played really well going into their bye week, not going to lie. Defense really was clicking against the Houston Texans, but the Houston Texans are not the New England Patriots. They're not. And so so I lean Patriots here. I do think it's going to be higher scoring. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be close. Uh, but I do think the Patriots pull it off. I have a 31-27 to 27 is my final score here between the Colts and the Patriots. The Patriots get the win. And the Colts dropped their first of this four-game stretch that it would be really nice to go 3-1. and one. be really nice. But uh, maybe they're going to have to try to figure out if they can do it at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, We will see. We will find out. But uh, nevertheless, guys, I expect a really good game. I do. Between these two teams. Because they're two playoff-caliber teams. Um, some strengths align. Some weaknesses align. Both teams, I think, will find a little bit of a groove on offense. And at the end of the day, uh, the Patriots are going to have just enough. Uh, to pull it out. So that's what I got. 31-27 Patriots over the Colts as the Horseshoes get set to host their old rivals, New England, on Saturday night here in week 15 of the NFL season. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes and injury updates throughout the week. You can follow Mike Chappell at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I am at Dave G underscore sports. We appreciate you listening and hope you have a great week and a uh, exciting weekend watching Colts football. This has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>